Welcome to the Ignition Point Podcast. This is where, from time to time, Jeremiah and I get to share what's on our hearts with all of you. So thanks for logging in, and we hope you enjoy it. Hey, I'm Jeremiah. I'm Courtney. And you have tuned in to episode 31 of the Ignition Point Podcast, coming to you all the way from France. (laughs) So right in the beginning, I want to ask you, Courtney, a question. Courtney, how has your 2020 been so far? Oh man, it's you know, it's crazy that you're asking me that question because I was just thinking the other day, this has probably been the most magnificent yeah. as the French would say, c'est magnifique la la. year of my life. You know, I could say the same thing. This year has been outstanding in every way. I mean, we have never lived a year like this. Mm-hmm. And it will be unforgettable, right? We will never forget the amazing things that came out of this year. Said no one ever about <laughs> 2020. <laughs> right. I mean, we don't hear language like this used to describe 2020, right? But in the beginning, we had such high hopes for how it was going to be, right? This was going to be 2020, the year of perfect vision. Right. 2020 vision. We're not going to need glasses. We're not going to need contacts <laughs> to see all that God has for us this year. Oh, my gosh. You know, even even on uh, New Year's Eve, we were probably all so pumped when we realized that when we wear those little celebratory New Year's glasses, that there were two eye holes in perfect position, right? The two zeros of 2020, like this year, had everything going for it. Until it didn't. Until it didn't. And so now, instead of hearing great things about 2020, we hear things like, oh man, I wish we were still in 2019. Or, oh man, I wish that we could just skip to 2021. And then you hear people say things like, this is just the year that didn't happen. Or, it's a year to forget. And I I know these feelings because we've felt the same way many, many times. So the other day, I was out on one of my now infamous uh, training runs. Uh You know, I'm training to be an elite athlete. Yeah, he's he's definitely running like one. (laughs) (laughs) Running like Forrest Gump. Yeah. But anyways, it was a normal Brestois day, which to describe it, it's not exactly sunny and and 85 degrees it's more like 60 degrees and raining and windy but i determined i'm going to go on this run anyways and because i'm training to be an ultra athlete Mm -hmm. i figured i need to probably take a little bit harder route than just running down a hill challenge yourself yeah exactly and build my calf muscles yes and build your calf muscles (laughs) yeah baby so it i chose this route that was a little bit more difficult it started with a long incline and actually at the very end of this road it gets really steep so I knew that I had to work myself up from for this, you know, I needed to pound that pavement to take out my frustrations on that pavement. So then I knew I needed to stir up my frustration. And so the easiest way for me to do that right now is to think about 2000 and stinking 20 <laughs> and all the things that I'm missing doing this year, all the places I was supposed to go, the events I was supposed to be at, the things we were supposed to accomplish that seem wiped out at this point. And so it didn't take long thinking about that before I got really worked up and I'm charging up this hill, yeah, (laughs) charging up this hill in the rain and in the wind. And then I'm almost to the top and I have this thought that passes through my mind. 2020 is a wasted year. And when that passed through my mind, I took ownership of it and I agreed. I thought, man, it even came out of my mouth. This is a wasted year. And then right when that thought came into my mind, it was like, uh, a thought rose up in my spirit as well. And I felt it was the Lord asking me a question, like a response to what I had just stated. And it was, how could you dare say that 2020 has been a wasted year? 
and it shocked me in a minute in that moment because it felt like a little bit of a rebuke you know and it actually it got me almost burst into tears thinking about how i could have the audacity to say something that that god is in the middle of something mm -hmm. that that he, you know, he never leaves us or forsakes us. Yeah. He's right in the middle of this year with us. He still has a plan and still has a purpose. And it is going to be accomplished if we don't give up, if we keep listening to his voice and following his direction. And how could I dare say that what he is also in the middle of could be considered a waste? Well, wow. you, can, you could say it because of the circumstances, right. right? You could say it because we live in a society that's very uh, results-driven, results-motivated, harvest happy if you would if you like to say like we <laughs> love happy. to receive a har or to to bring in a harvest yeah. we love to see the results of our actions you know reaping is so much more fun than sowing and even sowing is so much more fun than tending that's true right but there's a period of time from when a seed is sown to when you're eating the fruit and that that period of time varies but there's not one day that's less important in that whole process than the other so it takes us to ecclesiastes uh, chapter 11, which is going to be kind of the, the verse that, we, that holds us through this podcast, but it starts in verse 4, and it says, Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let not your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. And so, you know, just upon the first read here, you see that, like, if you're looking at the conditions, if you're looking at the circumstances that are surrounding you, you're not going to find a good time to sow. And if you don't find a good time to sow, you're not going to find a good time to reap. And if you're just busy doing nothing, you're not going to see anything from it. But if you stay busy doing something, you will see something from it. We don't have to understand everything about the season we're in. We just have to be faithful to sow and to tend. So maybe you're standing looking at 2020 like, what the heck? This is not the field I wanted to be standing in front of right now. I want yeah. that other one with all the corn ready to harvest or whatever it might be, you know? But instead, it's more like what, what Solomon describes in Ecclesiastes, where you're standing there, you're looking at this that is in front of you, and you're going, hold on, like, this isn't the time for getting on my hands and knees in the dirt. There's clouds, there's wind, there's a, a rainstorm about to happen. I miss the lightning and thunder of Floridian summer storms. We don't get that here. But you know where you feel the storm is a brewing. And, and you're thinking, now is not the time to sow. Now is not the time to do this. But then Solomon immediately follows it up with this beautiful, like, yeah, basically, shut up. You don't know what the right time is. Yeah. <laughs> kind of what Jesus sort of said to Jeremy while he was running. Yeah, that subtle <laughs> like, rebuke. You don't understand the seasons. You can't see everything that I'm doing. How dare you call this a wasted year? How dare you say that this isn't a time that something amazing could happen? And then Solomon says, as you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. I love that he uses that womb analogy because as a woman who's had two babies, 
I, I, it is endlessly fascinating. I went to a sonogram with a friend the other day and it was as if I had never had my own children. You know, it's still like, oh my God, there's a baby in there and it's growing and this is incredible, you know? And, and it's the same thing that is happening below the ground of the, the soil of our lives and the soil of the lives of the people around us that we may be sowing seed and not seeing what God is doing. It may look like nothing is happening. You can't even get a little tiny green sprout to give you hope something might be coming along eventually, right? It looks like nothing, but Solomon's going, don't judge it by what you can see. You do not understand the maker of all things. He's the one who understands. And there is this theme throughout scripture, right? Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Not yet seen. They're there, we just can't see them yet, not as they're going to be, at least. And then James couples that up in his book, and he says, and it's not just faith, but faith without works is dead. If you try to have one without the other, nothing is going to happen. The two work in, in tandem with one another, right? Faith combined with works is where the magic happens. You know, but it's so easy to get pessimistic, especially yeah. in the middle of a time like this. You know, when nothing that we had planned to do is what we're actually doing, and we can tend to feel a little bit helpless, and then you you pile onto that, that you're not seeing the results that you're used to seeing, <laughs> and uh, it can be very easy to get frustrated. And that's why I think it's so amazing that this scripture in Ecclesiastes is the one that stands out, because, you know, Ecclesiastes could be considered the most <laughs> pessimistic book in the Bible. I mean, this is the book that Solomon wrote where you find the famous words that there's nothing new under the sun, there's nothing that will be done that hasn't already been done, life sucks and we're all dying. <laughs> Basically. I, I think that's a direct quote from Solomon. In a nutshell. But instead, it says something completely different. Again, in verse 6, you know, it says, Sow your seed in the morning, and at the evening let not your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed. My version would be whether this or that, or neither of them, because 2020 feels like a neither of them. You know, nothing that we set our hands to is working this year. That's what it looks like on the surface. Yeah. But it says w whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. So what if 2020 on the surface looks like a complete waste, but the truth of it is that no matter what we set our hands to, no matter how many seeds we sow this year, no matter how long we stand in the, in the field tending the seed that's already been sown, what if everything that we set our hands to, that we sow, that we tend during this season, everything will do equally well? What if fruit comes from it all? Man, we would embrace 2020 right. instead of cursing it. So this idea of sowing and reaping has been one that's been on my mind a lot lately because I've been going through this two-year Bible course that's been put together by a man named Dr. Leon Van Royen, an amazing South African man who heads a wonderful ministry in the United States now. We know him because of Overland Missions. Yeah. And so I've been going through this course and just passed the module of sowing and reaping. And, and often we talk about this season, it's, you know, it's brought out when we're talking about finances and giving, but the truth is that it's a law that applies to everything. everything. He has a way of saying it that is just very succinct, <laughs> very <laughs> South African blunt, and I want to pinch just a few phrases just to give you some things to remember. So Dr. Leon says that unless you sow seed, you will never know the joy of the harvest. Mm. You know, we all love the joy of the harvest, but that does not come unless seed is sown and ground is tended. He goes on to say, that desire for a harvest is not enough. And then he says, prayer for a harvest is not enough. So matter, no matter how much we want it, 
no matter how hard we pray for it, that's not enough. To obtain a harvest, you have to sow seed. Without seed in the ground, there can be no harvest. The increase comes not to the one who desires a harvest or the one who is spiritually gifted, but to the sower. And then he ends by saying, God does not determine your harvest. And that's kind of mind-blowing, right? Because we think that God determines the harvest, but actually we do this. You alone do this. God supplies the seed, but we are the ones who determine the amount of seed sown as well as the motive and attitude through which we sow the seed. You determine your harvest. And I thought that was so powerful because we determine if our 2020 is a wasted year. Yeah. 2020 is not something that just happens to us, but we happen to 2020. And so we found ourselves sitting here in Brest after we moved here. And we're like, we know that we came here for people, yeah, right? That's build relationship. That's what it's all about. It's all about us loving Jesus and us building relationships and loving other people well. And so we started in our language school back in September. We started making friends with the professors and with the, the fellow classmates in our different courses. And, and when I say making friends, I, I have a new definition for that <laughs> since we moved to France, because it's very different than Brazil per se. Or Yeah. I mean, in Brazil, you know somebody for five minutes and you're already <laughs> part of their family. I mean, the culture is so warm. It's yeah. similar in the southeastern part of the United States. But here in France... It is not that way. It is not. I sometimes say that I feel like I'm like trying to tear down a brick wall with a toothpick. <laughs> like, be my friend. Please be my friend. <laughs> One day at a time. And so we were doing this in our language school. And then you flash forward into the spring, still still having it, you know, trying our hardest. And then we were just starting to see a little tiny bit of traction of friendship with some of the people in our classes and our professors. And confinement happened. And now everyone is locked down into their homes, separated from one another. And so at that point, it could have just been the end of that, right? Right. We had a choice to make. We could also allow ourselves to be confined and our mission to be confined and and the whole purpose of the Lord in our time here to be confined. Or we could just roll with it and do what we could do to continue to build the relationships. I mean, that seems like such a a simple thing that Jeremiah just said. But I cannot tell you how many times in the last 10 years of our lives, but especially since France came into the picture, that just roll with it. It has been like something like that is like profound spiritual advice, guys. Sometimes you just got to roll with it. Quit like pitching a fit because it's not going the way you prayed for it to go. Quit freaking out because, you know, everything is falling apart. Just roll with it because this is why that's such a brilliant statement. When you learn to just roll with it, then then you find the miraculous. Mm. When you learn to just roll with it, you realize that God's still in the whole thing the whole time. So we had to roll with it. So we're in confinement and we're like, what do we do? Well, we still have technology for heaven's sakes. We still have emails. We still have text messages. We still have all these things. So we started trying to use new messages methods, ways that we would not have contacted them before because we were seeing them all the time. But now that we weren't, we started using these other methods. And what was so cool was because it was so much of it was being written, people started communicating in a different and more vulnerable way, first of all, which was kind of cool. But then the Lord gave me this idea with my professors one day to start writing these essays in French and send them to my professors like, hey, correct my French, teach me French, which, which... 
I mean, great. I, I did get corrections and learn some things, but my ultimate point was to like kind of keep building those friendships, share my heart a little bit more, share a little more about who we are and what we do and just lovely things that I like to talk about. And so I had these different themes that would come up in my heart and I would write these essays and Man, guys, talk about if you picture those essays as a seed, you're just scattering the seed, you're throwing it out there. And one essay, one of my professors responds and he's like, can I please disseminate this to the rest of the B2 level at the school? And I was like, sure, of course. And inside I was like, yes, that's awesome. You know, and that particular essay, I got responses from other random classmates, some of whom had hardly even spoken to me before that responded about that specific essay. Another essay was a little bit, I shared a little bit of my heart and, and another different professor responded and began to share her heart in a way that the French do not normally do. And then a third essay I wrote, a, a third professor, another different professor responded and she she said, I'm going to sit down with my 13-year-old granddaughter this weekend and read her this essay with the hopes that it would become a foundation that she would build her life upon. And I read that email to Jeremiah and I was just crying. I was like, what? What? This is beyond me. This is beyond my mind. And two of those professors just a week ago, one of them invited us to her home with her family. And then as a surprise for me, because she knew uh, this older professor and I had become good friends. She invited him as as well as a surprise. And we had what we were there till 1.30 in the morning. Ah, we got there at like six, six thirty. <laughs> and finally at 1.30, Elijah looks up to us. He's like, it's time for me to go home. You know, <laughs> as only an eleven year old can as he's going catatonic on their couch. <laughs> Elijah's very good at letting everyone know when something should be finished. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was a marvelous time. Another little seed sowing story. And Tending, right? Because you sow these seeds and then you just keep at it. You keep trying to tend it and keep giving it a little water, hoping that maybe something will grow. And we were going to our supermarket, you know, here in France, we carry our groceries. So we go to the supermarket a lot. And we we're up at the supermarket and there was this girl with just, this was last summer. So it was, again, we're talking a year ago when this process started. I loved her hair. Courtney secretly wants an afro. I do. I I really would love to be able to have an afro. I love big giant, like Tabitha Brown's hair. Like I just love big giant afro hair. We need to get you a perm, girl. Uh, I tried a perm when I was in the third grade. We've seen pictures. It didn't work. So anyhow, I told her I loved her hair. I'd always smile at her. We, you know, bonjour, au revoir, just tiny little words here and there as I'm going through her line at the supermarket, you know? And after all these many, many months in May, she stops Jeremiah and I and she says are you Americans and I said yes and she said do you teach English and I said no but I might be able to come up with some people who do teach English and we're walking out and Jeremiah was like you can teach her English I said no because we're not allowed to have jobs here or make money with the visas that we have so I was thinking along that line of thinking Jeremiah was like no just teach her English you know you can do it and then and then have her speak French with you in return like a barter thing and I was like okay And so now she comes to my house every week and we sit and drink espresso and I teach her English and she corrects my French. But the beautiful thing is before 2020, Courtney was not an essayist or an English teacher, but yet we're standing in the middle of a field and it's our responsibility to sow seeds and tend the seeds. Right. It makes me think of that verse Paul wrote of becoming all things to all men, you know, Mm. like, okay. You want me to write essays? Sure, I'll be an essay writer. You want me to teach English? Sure, I speak English. We'll figure it out, you know. (laughs) And our third little story we want to share, there's a cafe right up the street from us. And last summer, our boys were having a hard day and we were like, let's let's go find ice cream somewhere. And so we went walking and realized this little cafe was selling ice cream for the summer. 
And so we went in and it, it turned out that the, the hus- it's a couple that owns it and the husband spoke English. And not only did he speak English, but he was an avid baseball fan. Yeah, it's so rare here in France, just like Brazil, to find anybody that has the patience enough to understand the rules <laughs> of baseball. You know, so I immediately connected with, with this guy over the baseball and English. And English. <laughs> if you know Jeremiah, he loves baseball. And, and still, I love English. And he loves English. <laughs> yeah. And so still to this day, they still discuss baseball all the time. So anyhow, we we thought we are desperately in need of friends in this place. And these people have two things going for them already. So we're going to show up every week and yeah. get a coffee, hang out, and just try to make friends, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, in a few months, they're going to be our great friends. <laughs> and we went every week. Yeah. And it was just until a few weeks ago where their little son asked to come to our house to, to play with yeah. our boys. And of course, we accepted. And then something it was like the sprout popped through the crust of the earth and all of a sudden where we hadn't seen anything from the seeds we've been sowing all of a sudden there's some growth yeah and so then they said do you want to come to our house for bastille day and we were like yes we do (laughs) and so we spent the entire day with them pretty much at their home with their kids and our boys having a delightful time celebrating Bastille Day here in France. And it was incredible. But if 2020 had looked the way that we wanted 2020 to look, none of these things would have happened. I think it's so important for all of us as we're facing this kind of highly unusual situation in our lives on every possible level right now, that instead of looking at what is not or what we can't do, That instead we're going, okay, God, what can we do? What is at our disposal? What is right in front of us? What seed can we sow? So if you want to taste a radish, what you have to do is you have to plant a radish seed. And then you wait for maybe three weeks and the the plant will grow. It'll produce a radish and you can be chewing on a radish in like three weeks from the time that you sowed it to the time that you're enjoying the harvest. But if you want to taste an avocado, it's a little bit different. You plant the seed and then you wait and you wait and you wait. And then the tree starts to grow. But you're not going to taste an avocado from the branches of that tree for from anywhere between five and 13 years from the time that you sow the seed. So it can be really frustrating waiting during that time. It can be really frustrating, especially in a season where things are outside of our control. You know, but nobody that stands there with an avocado in their hand after having seen the whole process would ever say that year three in the process was a waste Hmm. or that month number 13 in the process was a waste. Every part of the process is important from the sowing up until the time that you're enjoying the harvest. And I think Paul knew that it was going to be a hard, a hard thing because in his letter to the Galatians in Galatians chapter six, you know, this is a, a little part that talks about what a, whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. You know, that's one we know. Uh, at the, but in verse 9, it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. It's almost like he saw 2020 coming <laughs> and the opportunity that it would present for all of us to lose heart. But the last thing that we should do is stand in the middle of the field of 2020 and just curse it. Instead, we need to be looking for what God will bring to life out of this time. It might not look like any other time that we've ever lived, but it doesn't mean that it's a wasted year. Yeah. And ultimately, you guys, our hope with this podcast is just to really encourage you. Like if you're facing this year and it's just been 
I know it's been overwhelming. I don't have to wonder if it's been overwhelming. It's been overwhelming for everyone. But if you're just in a place where you're frustrated with this year, where you're you're caught in the what it could have been that it's not, could I just encourage you just to let go of all of that, let go of all the expectations, yeah. and instead just to roll with what you've been given and, and begin to just pray. Maybe as soon as you finish this podcast, just pray and say, okay, God, this is all about people. What opportunities are around me right now? What opportunities maybe have I not been able to see because I've been so caught up in the storm that's happening around me right now? How can I sow the seeds that you want me to sow in the lives of people in my everyday world? And I believe that if we all do that, that come December 31st of this year, it won't just be a silly joke, but we really will be able to say that 2020 was a magnificent year. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to keep an eye out for our next podcast and stay in touch with us at our website, theignitionpoint.org or on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instagram. See you next time.